talk to you this morning about virtues and vices. Virtues and vices. Uh, there's such a fine line in our world today between virtues and vices. It's like, it's like I don't know that we have ever had so many areas in our lives that could become a vice to us. Uh, case in point, the very computer that I get my sermon on is a computer that you can watch pornography on. That very pickup that took us to church. You with me? I love to rope. I go to roping. The roping can be a blessing or it can be a vice. It can become a habit when you spend your grocery money and your electric money and you pay it for entry fees and your family suffers because of your vice. Alcohol. Oh, I'll move on. <laughs> there's a lot of things in our world, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's like there's a very fine line between doing the right thing and letting it get completely out of control. Did you know that you can actually come to church, and uh, have you ever... You can actually meet somebody in church and begin a relationship with them because of church and then have that relationship go way south. But it started in church. Don't anybody need help this morning? My name is Randy Weaver. I got to have some help, and I got, I got the, just the perfect thing. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that overcame what we sang about, death, hell, and the grave. We're on the right side of the dirt this morning because we understand that Jesus overcame death. That makes this the perfect religion, if we could call it a religion, because, but it's not really a religion. It's a relationship with the King of Kings. We're not here to build a religion. We're here for you to have a relationship and to enjoy the virtues of following Christ because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So what is a vice? A vice is a moral corruption that if cultivated, everybody say if cultivated, it's a moral corruption that if cultivated into a habit, you know how you develop a habit, right? You practice it. If I want to get good at roping, I'm going to practice, and I, can, I build a habit of doing that and doing it correctly. Practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. A lot of people practice a lot, but they practice the vices and they don't practice the virtues. But whatever we practice, that's who we are. We are a result of what we choose to build the habits in our lives. So we become more conformed to the pattern of this fallen world in Romans 12, 2, and experience a decreased capacity to delight in what God has made good and true 
and beautiful. It says in Romans 12, 1, to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? How are we going to do that? By the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good, that we may what? I can't hear you very good. That we might prove what? I don't have my hearing aids on. That we may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. I'm talking about the virtuous things, which is God's plan for your life. And if we're not careful, there will be things in our life that will sabotage God's plan for our life. And if we're not careful, we will begin to justify what God calls sin. And in order to begin to practice it as born-again Christians, if we practice the vices in our lives, in, without exception, we will justify it. Well, the way that we justify it. So, well, my situation's different. Oh, I'm just, I, my deal. <laughs> we can justify the habits. We can attempt to justify the habits in our lives by saying, well, that's just the way I am. But Jesus, if we don't let Jesus tell us how we are, we'll make up something ourselves. If I want to get fixed, I'm going to go to the one that made me. I don't take my Chevrolet truck to the Ford place. What is a virtue? A virtue is a moral excellence that if cultivated, everybody say if cultivated, a moral excellence that if, if, if cultivated into a habit becomes a morally excellent character trait. So whatever we practice becomes a part of our character and who we are as characters, we are who we are because we chose to practice certain habits, and certain things. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. This is so... It says, it's what your mom and daddy always told you. If anyone is not willing to work, let them not eat. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people need to hear this today. <laughs> They're probably not here. <laughs> if you don't work... Let him not eat. Basically, the saying, get a job. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. Do you know what happens when you walk in idleness? Stuff that should not happen. It says, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. We all have time to do what's important to us. Yeah. Every one of us, we build a lifestyle and we build a character out of what we deem to be valuable to us. If it's important to us, we're going to have time for it. Like this morning, you said God's valuable to me. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship God because he is valuable to me. Amen? That's why we're here. Unless, unless you're a little kid and your mom and daddy made you. But that's still good, even though it's maybe not 
palatable. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. Is it possible, begs the question, is it possible to be a hard worker, but a lazy Christian? Is it possible to be a hard worker, but lazy in your spiritual activities? Nobody likes to be called lazy. But when I read this, this this past week, and I've been praying about it, and and we, have you ever told somebody that you didn't, because you, you didn't want to do something, you said, I'm busy. Some, somehow, we have developed in our hearts a, an attitude that busy, being busy is spiritually healthy. Oh, so it said, though, if you don't work, you don't eat. But what he's saying is, is that we have to have balance and we can't cross that line over where our work keeps us from the destiny and from the plans that God has for us. He knows the plans he has for us. He wants to prosper us, not harm us. But his definition of prosperity is much, much different than ours because ours is winning the lottery, not having to work for it. And everybody's like, man, if I win a lottery, Pastor, we'll build you a new church and we, we won't have to have 500 services on, in one week and we can just have. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. If I win the lottery, if I win the well, I don't give a rip about you winning the lottery. What are you doing with what you have right now? You take care of those little bitty things. God will make you a ruler over the other things. <laughs> Let's stop wasting our lives on the what ifs and begin to do the work that God has called us to do. That's good preaching. <laughs> Busy bodies. There's a difference between, between working hard and working smart. Did you know that we can work hard at work but be lazy with our physical bodies. I read it this past week. It's, it's a terrible indictment, but it says that over 70% of Americans are overweight. And like 40% are obese. And we're like, oh, preacher, you're not going there, are you? Yeah. Well, see, preachers always get up and they're talking about, oh, don't, don't be drinking alcohol and don't do this, don't do that. But we don't talk about Overeating because it's kind of, we like to eat. You with me? So we don't. That's, what, that's why the church is called hypocrites, by the way. We pick and choose what we. We pick and choose what we want to justify. And then we want to pick on other people that have problems that we don't have. And we want to condemn them because, well, I can't believe that you would do that. We're over here doing our thing because we like, well, my, my deal's different. Yeah. That's why the hypocritic things, and, and it's okay if you're a hypocrite. I mean, we have church for hypocrites too. We're, we're glad that you're here. <laughs> I mean... If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. It's not like we have it all figured out. But we need help. Amen. 
We need to understand what is virtue and what is a vice. <laughs> so, or Proverbs 13, 4, it says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is racially surprised. I think the question is, what do you crave when you wake up in the morning? What do you know you just got to have that? What is it when you get up in the day and do you have to have that drink of alcohol? I just need a little whiskey to get me going. What is it that you crave? Or do you crave the word of God? You say, oh, preacher, you're going to preach about that? I absolutely am. Because if you love the word of God and you love God and you love his word, as we profess that we love God, we will naturally be gravitated to his word because we want to know what he says about us. We want to know who we are. And the only way we're going to know who we are is we talk to one who made us. And we get into the word of God and we understand that sometimes it cuts a little bit deep, kind of like this sermon a little bit, it kind of cuts a little bit. But sometimes if you need surgery, jump on the bed. It's about time we get surgery if we need it. Surgery isn't pleasant, but when you get through with it, you're like, man, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Second Thessalonians again, you don't work, you don't eat, for we hear that some of some walk, some among you walk in idleness, not really doing anything for Jesus, just being idle. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. One of the greatest distractions is being busy doing everything else except what's really important. In 2 Peter 1, it says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent or faithful to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice, everybody say practice. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. When I read that, I thought, well, I've practiced them things and fell before, but that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is if you practice these qualities, you might trip or mess up, but you won't fall. What that means is that you don't take on or practice the, the vices, you practice the virtues. You don't practice the things that separate you from God. You practice the things that draw you closer to God. It doesn't mean that you don't trip. It doesn't mean that you don't ever sin. But what it means is you make up your mind. You are not going to practice sin. The problem is, is that we as Christians in the Christian church today, we are ate up with wanting to do 
What we want to do, we're like little kids that are just spoiled. And they, I've been around kids, they throw themselves on the floor and scream and do little fits. And then their parents give them what they ask for after they throw a fit. And it's the same way many times in church. If we don't get what we want, we just decide that we're going to practice our vices because God didn't do what we told him to do. Let me tell you something. You are not God. I'm not God. He is God. And we must submit to God and walk humbly with our God to love mercy, do the right thing, but walk humbly, be teachable people and not throw a fit when we don't get what we think we deserve. We don't deserve. We don't deserve anything. Jesus already paid. Now, this is a tough sermon to preach. But he already provided for us everything that we need. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve peace. We don't deserve the joy that he brings to us, but he gives it to us. Why? Because he loves us. And whenever we understand that love, the least we can do is give back that same love to him and stop being immature because we didn't get what we thought we deserved as Christians. It's hard to preach, but it's the truth. <laughs> That's tough. Be diligent. Practice these qualities. If I want to be a better... I want to be a better husband. I got to practice being a better husband. I want to be a, a better calf or team roper. I, want, I got to practice. If I want to be a better pastor, I have to practice being a better pastor. If I want to be a better, more Christ-like, I have to know Jesus. I have to practice. Because this is, this is interesting. Practice doesn't make perfect. A lot of people think, well, practice... No, you can practice wrong all your life, and you'll never get better. Uh, the team roping world is full of team ropers. They'll, they'll never go to a roping school. They're, they'll never have anybody help them, and they do the same thing over and over and over and never ask for help because they think in their pride they got it all figured out, and I just don't need anybody. Tell me what it's all about. I got it all figured out, and they lose, they lose, they lose, they lose. They're losers because they don't practice right. So how do how how we behave, how we behave reflects what we believe. How we behave, trust me, however we behave really is a reflection of what we believe. What, we, what we, we do reflects what we desire. Or what we do, we work for what we want. So what do we want? We work for what we want. Do we want, do we want peace in our home? Let me tell you something. If you want peace in your home, you're going to have to work at it. It won't come natural. I'm going to wait on y'all. <laughs> I, got, I got all day. <laughs> if, you, 
If you want peace in your home, you're going to have to practice peace and give peace. If you want peace, you got to give peace. If you want love, men, you got to give love. You want respect, you got to give respect. You want honor, you want honor in your home, you better start giving honor in your home. Amen. <laughs> Man, this is... So God designed us so that our actions bring into view the real affections of our inner being. To put it very simply, how we behave over time reflects what we believe and what we do reflects what we desire. What we do reflects what we want. We work for whatever we, we, we have. You have goals about what you want in life. Some of y'all, you're, man, I need a new pickup or I need a car. I want to, I want, I want to, I'm just, man, I just get me a, a good looking woman and wife, man. I just look, I want, uh, everybody knows what they want, right? Y'all know what you want? So if it's very important to you, you're going to, you're going to move toward it. You're going to figure out how to get what you want because you prioritize. So what we do reflects what we desire. Our labors reflect, reflect our are what we love. What we work for reflects what we love. Several years ago, uh, we had a dog named Bubba. He was a little, uh, I don't even remember what dog kind of dog he was. Well, I think we got a picture of him. This is our Christmas picture back in the day. What a cute little family that was. But if you look up in the tree, you see, you see up in the tree there? Way up in that tree, I mean, uh, Shiloh's on a, on a horse right there, and uh, Caleb's on a horse. We're standing up, and then Bubba in the background is way up in the top of that tree. You see that? Bubba didn't know how to climb trees whenever we got him. Bubba wanted to learn how to climb trees, but do you know why he wanted to learn how to climb trees? Because there. When we got Bubba, we had five guineas. And Bubba had a mission in life to get those guineas. I don't know where it came from, but there was something inside of him. He had a, a vendetta against guineas. And, and whenever he got big enough, he was always chasing them. We'd get after him for it, but he was always chasing them. Next thing I knew, when he got a little bit older, he chased one of them down and killed it. And after he killed that first guinea, he kind of got he kind of got to where uh, he's like, mm, I have a talent. <laughs> I'm pretty good at something. So he killed he killed a couple of them. And and somebody had told me one time that if you if you you if they kill chickens or guineas or something like that, if you whip them with the with the 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 dead guinea. That'll make him not want to be around him guineas anymore. So I, after he killed him, I got that guinea and I whipped him with that guinea. <laughs> it is cowboy church. I know some of y'all are judging me right now, but uh, it's a good, good reason for you to practice forgiveness. <clears throat> anyway, it didn't work. And them, them guineas, they lived in holy terror. I mean, they, they were very afraid, and they lived up in them trees, and, and Bubba's like, hey, if they can get up there, I can too. 
And he learned how. He taught himself. He tried to get a hold of those limbs and try to pull that tree down seriously. With them guineas up there, he just trying to, and he couldn't pull the tree down. So he decided he'd learn how to climb the trees. And he would climb those trees and, and run them guineas out of the tree so they'd get back on the ground so he could jump on them. <laughs> we had a shed. And they get up on that shed. We had a tree right next to it. And he would climb that tree and get up on that shed. I mean, you talk about a passionate dog. <laughs> this, I mean, what, what, I, what I wouldn't give for a passionate group of people that had the same kind. Oh, not the same kind of passion. Because Bubba was a killing dog. We loved Bubba, and we thought he was cute, but uh, he, had, he had a vice, and it was guineas. <laughs> so I tried everything I could do to get him to not to chase the guineas, and he killed another one. And so uh, somebody told me, if you'll, if you'll tie that giddy around his neck uh, and just let it rot off on him, that, that he'll... You won't get this at a foo-foo church. <clears throat> just, just let it kind of rot off on him that he'll get to where he hates being around him. So I tied this guinea to his neck, this dead guinea to his neck. And, and uh, when I tied it to his neck, he walked off and he's like... <laughs> he thought it was a prize. He'd reach down, get a bite. <laughs> well, we ran out of guineas. <laughs> Didn't have any more problems <laughs> with the guineas. But what happened? What happened after we ran out of guineas? Bubba ran off. I don't know, maybe you're looking for some more guineas somewhere. It's interesting how when you have a purpose that is uh, not productive, we have, we had over a thousand people. I think the number was, you can, I'm not sure, but it was right at a thousand people. No, no. I don't even remember how many people last year, because they told me this a few weeks back, that came down and gave their heart to the Lord. I, I want to say a thousand, but it might have been four or five hundred. I don't. The number doesn't really matter. But is it, isn't it something how you, in our human nature, we run to God when we have a problem? It, it, it's human nature for that, and, and that, that's that's great because that's the way it's supposed to be. But after the problem leaves and after God takes the problem away and the issue is resolved, you can't find the people anymore. And a lot of times people, if we're not careful, people get familiar with other people within the church and part of the vice of, of gossip and the, the, the vice of, of, of backbiting. And, and it's, it's a term that's used for just talking about people behind their back. Uh, if, if that's not tolerable, in a certain church, they'll go find another church where other people 
will participate with them and gossip with them. You see, that's what gives the kingdom. It gives the kingdom of God a bad name. And we have to protect the name of Jesus. We have to protect the name of God. And we have to take our own thoughts captive. It says take every thought captive for the pulling down of the strongholds, the pulling down of the vices in our life that separate us from God that we tend to want to justify. Let me tell you something. God has not ever changed his mind about any sin ever. He has not changed his mind. It will always be true, but we cannot as a church or as individuals afford to practice the things that separate us from God, but to walk in the virtuous things, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and do all of these things because this is the fruit of the Spirit. You remember when Jesus was with the disciples and he walked by the, uh, the fig tree and the fig tree was not producing any fruit. Do you know what he did? He cursed the fig tree because it was not producing any fruit. Let me read to you out of Matthew 25, chapter 14. Let me just say this. Uh, let me just tell you the story. It's a story of the, the parable of the servants in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money with them while he was gone. To one he gave five bags of silver <clears throat> and to another he gave two bags of silver and to another he gave one bag of silver. He was gone for a very long time. I think that's significant because we think as we go through life, well, the Lord delayeth his coming, and he's not coming back for a while. We can sow our, our seeds of wild oats and then uh, pray for a crop failure with that. But then when we want the blessings of God, he says, I'm going to give you uh, so much. And he said, the steward, one was given five bags of silver, one, two, and one, one, and when the when the master returned, the one with five bags of silver, he gained another five bags. The one with two gained another five, another two bags. And then the one that had one, he went and buried it in the ground, and he didn't do anything with it. And, and Jesus' reply was to this man, he, when he returned and called them to give an account of how they had used his money, this... Uh, uh, the master was full of praise for the one that had five bags. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And same for the one that had two bags, the one that had one bag. Uh, I knew you were, the, the servant said, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. Fear, I hear tough people all the time saying, I ain't afraid of nothing. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are afraid to say the name of Jesus. Just actually speak the name of Jesus out in the world today. There's a lot of people that are afraid to speak up for Jesus. 
He said, I was afraid, and when fear grips us, you know what happens when you get afraid? You don't do what you really need to do. Oh, man, I got to talk to you. I something, I something just come up in me. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord wants to say this to somebody. I'm one of them guys that I hate confrontation. Anybody with me? I just hate it. I don't like it. Some, some of y'all are like, they don't bother me at all. It bothers me. But I've learned that if I don't talk to people that I know I have to talk to and that I need to talk to, that the anxiety and the, if I'm not careful, depression, it begins to work on my mind. And I believe the Lord showed me something today or this past week that if we don't do what we're called to do, what that produces, that produces anxiety and depression in us. I'm down there a minute. If we don't do what we're called to do, it's like the parable. And Jesus said, for the guy, the guy with the one servant, he said, he said, depart from me and, you, and you'll go where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, the guy that didn't do anything with it, he was, he probably didn't have it to start with. He didn't have Jesus' heart to start with. It's a challenging thing. But I think where the anxiety comes in our lives and the depression comes in our lives, when we fail to do and to confront things in our lives that need to be confronted. My question to you today, is there something in your life that you're not willing to confront? It might be a vice in your life. Something, maybe a habit, maybe an addiction, maybe, maybe there's something we know God's not. It's not right. And if we don't do that, then what happens is we take medication for anxiety. We may take medication for depression. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that. If you're taking that and you need it and the doctor says you need to do that, that's fine. But let me just tell you something. Confront what needs to be confronted and you'll have a whole lot more peace. Confront it. And the anxiety will leave. I've found when I, when I have hard conversations with people and I'm not controlling of them, telling them, because what are we really in control of? What are you in control of? What are you in control of? What are you in control? What do you control? What do y'all control? Any of you husbands ever tried to control your wife? How'd that work out for you? Any of you wives ever try to control your husband? See, the hard part about being a daddy and a mama, a parent, is that we are responsible for our children and to keep them in line and under control, but not 
be controlling with them. That's the challenge. <laughs> and we need help with that as parents. How many know us parents need help? Amen. We need help being a good parent, being a good grandparent. But we're only in control, honestly, of one thing. And my friend, I went to a roping yesterday and had a church service with, with Trey Johnson. He spoke here before. But uh, he, he talked about this. This is where I, I, I got it, and I felt like I needed to share it with you this morning. Uh, do you know what you're in control of? Everybody do this. Put your, pick your hand up. Do this. Point yourself. Don't be pointing at your neighbor now. Don't be doing that. You are the only one that you are in control of. And you can either be in control and under the virtues that God has supplied for you, or you can be out of control and just love those vices that the world brings into your life. And I'm going to tell you, there's anxiety, there's miserableness, and this world will steal your joy. The world will steal your money. The world will steal your health. The world will steal everything and leave you on the side, on the curb. And God said, come unto me, all you who are weak and weary and heavy laden. I want to bless you. I'm going to tell you something. If you want the blessings of God, get under the spout where the glory falls out and understand that God's blessings are for you yes. they're for you God is for you he's not against you I'm going to tell you something God wants to bless you too many times we mess up the blessings of God because we allow the vices in our life to separate us from the virtues that God has for us Scripture says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Before Darla and I got married, I was on the rodeo circuit, rodeoing, doing church services for the cowboys, roping calves, bulldogging. I was at the National Western Livestock Show in Denver, and one of the pa a pastor from the First Assembly of God Church in Denver, Colorado, I knew him. And he came up to me. He told me that they were looking for a junior high youth pastor there at Denver, and uh, wanted me to keep my eyes open if I knew anybody. And when I walked off, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He says, "Randy, I want you to go be that youth pastor." I was like, "What?" And I was like, and I always wondered, I always wondered if I could lay my ropes down. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Any of y'all have something you really, really like to do? I mean, like, you just like, some of you fishing people, maybe you golfing people. You know, it's out there, you know. But I always wondered, and the Lord spoke tomorrow, he says, give me a year of your life. I want you to hang your ropes up, lay them down, once you turn your horse out, and basically what he told me, he said, at the end of the year, we'll talk. I was like, wow. So I told him, I called the pastor up, and I told him I'd take the job if he wanted to give it to me. So he did. 
didn't pay hardly anything at all, and, and they needed the church needed a janitor, so I took the job of being a janitor and a junior high pastor. Junior high pastor, I went from being a professional rodeo cowboy to a janitor and a junior high youth pastor. And I was thinking about that this past week, and I think, hindsight, I think there was a lot of junior high kids that was in my, in, in my class that went on to be pastor churches and do great, wonderful things. But I honestly think, <laughs> I think it was more for me than it was for them because at the end of the year, he let me go back to rodeo and do all that. But at the end of the year, I knew who my Lord was, and it wasn't roping. I knew who my Savior was, and it wasn't anything in this world. And nobody can ever take that away from me because I know that Jesus is first. And I just want to challenge y'all, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Whatever it takes, put him first. Let go of your agenda and ask God what he's got for you. You will never, never, never regret that moment in your life where you said yes to Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your blessings. I thank you, Lord, that you are helping us, helping us to embrace the virtuous things and to let go of the things that we have allowed to become vices in our lives. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak uh, speak to us. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to convict us. I thank you, Jesus, that you said that you didn't come into the world to condemn the world, that this doesn't have to be a message and should never be a message of condemnation, but a message of hope and a message, yes, of correction, but also a message of love and care because you want what's best for us. Thank you for that, Lord. I'd like for everybody to keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. This morning, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, Jesus said this. He said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Scripture says that we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, me and everybody else. So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your personal Savior, it's the greatest choice that you'll ever make. One of the things I appreciate about God is that he will never make us follow him. He'll never make us serve him, but he will invite us into his kingdom. And that's what he's doing for you and to you right now is saying, I have a place I have a place for you in my kingdom. So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your savior, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high, anybody. Slip your hand, we won't put a Bible in your hand. Anybody, preacher, that's me. Back in the back, thank you, partner. Back in the back, thank you. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Anybody else, preacher, that's me. Yep, thank you. Thank you so much. Bless your heart. You can put your hand down once you get your Bible. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I, I'm not playing games. I want Jesus in my life, period. I need Jesus. Slip your hand up high. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. 
if you raised your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you back in the back too? Would you mind coming up? I want to pray with you. You'd like that. Do you mind? Yeah, come on up. Back in the back. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Do you mind coming up? You don't have to. You don't want to. But Yeah, thank you. Thank you, partner. Come on, buddy. I'm proud of you. Tell me your name. Alfonso, bless you, buddy. Glad you're here. Stay here. Let me pray with you for a second. What's your name? What is it? Michael. Michael. Bless you. Come on over here. Let me, let me pray with you. Come on, baby. I knew you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Bless you, girl. What's your name? Julie. Randy Weaver. Bless you. Now, looky here. Here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. It's really that simple. And what I want to do, I want to help you pray. But you have to believe in your heart. You have to mean it in your heart. And uh, the Bible says we'll be saved and that Jesus will come in and the Holy Spirit will come, come in and live with us. So let me help you pray, okay? Just repeat after me. Y'all help us pray. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now look here. Here's, here's part of the deal. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect now. It's not, it's not what this is about. But what we do, we begin to follow Jesus now. We make this start with him and then he helps us. If we have anything, any vices in our life, he'll help us to do that. But we have to participate. We have to show up. We have to do what he's called us to do and let him rule in our hearts. Is that a deal? I'm so proud of y'all. Listen, go visit these folks over here for just a second. Thank you so much. So proud of you. Bless you. Y'all go visit these guys for just a second. Thank you. Stand with me, please. So this is kind of, it's kind of a tough sermon to preach, but I think it's good for us all. But the question this morning is, is, is there anything in your life, maybe advice, something that the Holy Spirit has spoke to you about that you need to get out of your life and you need to work on it and you need to do something about it and give it over and get it, get it out of your life. Raise your hand if you got something you got to get, you got to get right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. But here's another question for you. Another question. Is there something that you need to begin to do for God that he's worked, he's asked you to do this, but, but you've drugged your feet, you haven't participated, you've been busy being busy, but you're, you haven't really done what you know you should be doing? Raise your hand, yeah. Now let's raise both hands and let me pray for you. 
Lord, I thank you, Lord, for loving us. I thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the resurrection, that you can resurrect that that peace and resurrect joy inside of us. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would help us to be bold, not to walk in fear, but to confront what needs to be confronted in our own lives and take control of what we need to take control of. I thank you, Lord, for everybody in this building. I thank you for everybody watching online. Lord, that you are changing our hearts and our lives. Give us a soft heart, Lord, toward you and alligator skin toward the world. Help us to be tough, oh God. I pray that you just minister peace and long-suffering to us, but Lord, help us never, never, never to give up and to go forward in the peace that you, you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. I love y'all. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church. We've got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.